Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Welcome, everybody, to some new bonus content from The Geek Buddies! Hey! Well, today, as you saw by the title when you clicked on it, or maybe this downloaded automatically on your streaming service because you've subscribed to us, we are talking about the season finale of The Mandalorian Redemption, uh, picking up from the, uh, I would say, Empire Strikes Back, Episode 7, uh, that was uh, uh, the last episode. Uh, we going. This one's the longest episode of the season, around forty six minutes. Uh, pretty incredible stuff. We're gonna break it all down for you. I am John Roca, writer, and producer, and host over at Collider. I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And this is Shannon McClung, an animation writer and a television actor. Uh, well, who wants to start? What's your overall thoughts on this uh, episode? Man, just damn fantastic. <laughs> Uh, all of, you know, this episode directed by Taika Waititi yes. from Thor Ragnarok and Jojo Rabbit. And right off the bat, it was very, very Taika with the conversation between the two uh, scout troopers that were voiced by... Yeah, Jason Sudeikis and Adam Pally. Yeah. Um, and it was great because I think this is where... Uh, I want to be careful because I know that last week on our Mandalorian, I like let a few Rise of Skywalker <laughs> spoilers slip out accidentally. Oh. Thanks to our friend Mark Sloan. <laughs> Thanks to oh, thank you, Mark no. Sloan. Reporting that out, sent up the flare. Hey Sloan, uh, go see it when it comes out. But uh, but uh, I will say that like I think where where Star Wars is successful is where we take the things that we know and we do sort of a different take, a little mm. twist or something. And I think that uh, the giving personality to stormtroopers who in most versions of Star Wars don't have him have them uh is seems to always be a big win and this was sort of the place where we saw it the most where you sort of get this very casual conversation about what it's like to be in the uh post empire empire and uh yeah, you know what does this guy want uh what does he want this thing for? And he already killed a guy, so could we just like not? Yeah. Could we not? <laughs> well, and the, tough job, guys. The thing that was great about that is having served in the military for eight years, 
Those two dudes, I know those two dudes. I've been those two dudes where you're sitting around there at some some assignment that you have to do and you're just like, oh, you hate your superior or you think your superior is an idiot or you don't want to mess with your superior because you don't want any more uh, crap. But then you're always paired up with that idiot who like just has to take a look at this thing that just has to push the boundaries, has to push the line. And I just thought that was so realistic uh, to see that. Uh, and to see the one dude being like, you know what? I just want to, you just want to see him. You just want to see him. You don't care about what you just want. Well, we got to take him out now. Well, you saw him. I barely saw I barely, him. I just picked him up and put him in the sack. <laughs> and, and they had just finished killing. Uh, um, what's his name again? The Quill. The, Quill. They just finished killing Quill in the last episode. So we already hated him for doing that. It was brilliant for Taika to give them a personality so much so that we actually found that to be endearing, and then they got their just desserts anyway. Well, the fact that the Sudeikis uh, scout trooper, he smacked the bag twice, oh, yeah. and Adam Polly was just saying, like, hey, you, you hit him pretty hard the yeah, last yeah. time. You might have. We need to see if he's still alive. And then when he gets bit, he flung cold cocks. Yeah. Him. Yoda. He, he, punched, Yoda. He, punched, he punched a little baby Yoda. Oh, man. It's so good. Uh, did you think the shooting thing was too much? Or the, did you like it? Where they couldn't hit the thing they were aiming at? I loved it. Yeah? Okay. I mean, look, it is a... Again, this is the thing, I think... And again, Taika Waititi is mm-hmm. clearly the master of this. Uh, he finds the humor in uh, in everything from Thor to Hitler to Star Wars. So he, he, can really, <laughs> he can really do it. But I think that this is what Star Wars needs... Uh, I don't know if you've noticed on Twitter, but Star Wars fans are, are ve- very, very serious. I've noticed at the box up. Uh, and... We all know stormtroopers have horrible aim. It's been a joke for years, and so actually to do that specifically with those two, it, it's a fun little bit. It is funny. It's humorous. It makes us all smile. Yeah, it's a way to be on the nose without by by, by being uh, clever about it. Yeah. Whereas being on the nose, handing someone a medal, no spoilers, yeah. is not being clever about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you didn't need a line of dialogue for that joke to work. Yeah. yeah. The guy literally is just killing time. His buddy's like, oh, I wonder if I can do it. The shaking of the gun is perfect. Yeah. As if it's the gun's fault. Oh. That just speaks volumes. And Mike's uh Mike's prediction about IG11. You were right. Right on right on the money. Yeah. Um probably resulted in one of the coolest action scenes because I remember the thing that really struck me after episode 1 was watching the efficiency of an IG unit fight. Yeah. Now you put him on a speeder bike whilst protecting a child and he's even more deadly. Just yeah. the coolest thing to watch. I mean, just just rampant destruction. Uh, and and again, Taika Waititi's performance as IG Eleven just spot on, perfect. Uh, really funny. Seeing this killer droid as a nursemaid is inherently funny and cool. Yeah, like like it, it is the joke of him being like this nurse who's just protecting a baby, but he's a killing machine. Yeah. And then to your point, you see the sequence. I remember watching it and being like, oh, I mean. This is awesome, but uh, he's basically flying into a bunch of laser fire, and that Yoda is right on his. Sh- nope, he turned it around. It's behind him now. We're good. Uh, and, uh, and that was that was fantastic. Yeah. Um. Well, also, it felt a little bit like the old school Ray Harryhausen stop motion animation. Yeah. It was going so fast, and the the environments were changed so quick. But what he was doing, like just mowing all these stormtroopers down, was brilliant. And you're right, Shannon. It evoked that episode one. But it also, like, once again, what you mentioned, Mike, this idea of Taika Waititi finding the humor in the serious moments. Finds the humor of him. Like, when he spins around to protect Baby Yoda, 
and then circle. You're just like, oh my god! But the fact that you had the wherewithal to do that is brilliant. And then jump off and 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 you know start killing everybody. But at the same time, we have the more serious conversation occurring here between Cara Dune and Mandalorian and uh, uh, Carl Weathers' character there in in what is his character's name? Grief Carga. Grief yeah, Carga. Grief Carga. I'm mean, having them discuss everything here and trying to figure out how the hell they're going to get out. Uh, you know, you're wondering about it, and and you know, Esposito is there, uh, Moff Gideon, like laying down the hammer. I think that was, I could say that in that moment, there was one little thing that bothered me: the fact that he's like, "Oh, wait until dark, then we're gonna." Yeah. Why would the, you wait until dark? Way, that, Just kill so these motherfuckers. I was watching it, and I was like, he, he turns, he's like, and the sun is pretty high up in the sky. And he's like, I'll give you until dark. And I'm like, I mean, give him like 10 minutes. Like, yeah. There's not a lot to if discuss that. here. Uh, and <laughs> I think, off. And by the way, I think that, and this is such a small little change. And mm. like, you know, you give it to him, whatever. But it's like, given the fact that IG-11 comes in virtually immediately and lays waste to the town. Yeah. He really, you could have said, you know, I'm going to give you 15 minutes. And it would have, the scene would have played same. out exactly the same. Probably true. So it was, a, it was one of those things where you're like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe yeah. when you wrote the script, you had the idea that the sun was going to be further back in this. I don't know. But right. like, but yes, I had the exact same thought as that, right. but that is a small quibble in an otherwise perfect episode. Sure. Um, it came in like a samurai killing all those people. <clears throat> okay. Well, you know, and it was like high noon. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Good comeback, but uh, but no, I do agree. Like again, um, not to get any specific spoilers, but this is what happens when you don't have a super overcomplicated story. Yeah, uh, they were trapped. They were pinned down in the in the in the cantina. This is a spoiler episode. We can't get into the. Spoilers. I meant no spoilers for other Star Wars oh, things that might be out I right see, now. I see. I see. I uh, see. That are overcomplicated. God damn it! If you haven't seen it by the time you listen to this, Sloan. that may or may not be overcomplicated <laughs> with too many MacGuffins and side sure. quests and things. Sure. Um, sure. But uh, but no, you get you know you you have it's very simple. Like IG Eleven rescues Baby Yoda uh, over here. Yeah. These guys are pinned down. They're having a discussion on what to do, which is which is all super character focused. Yeah. You see where they all like where all of their kind of perspectives are on everything. Yeah, she's not um, going to go back to being she's she's afraid that she'll get captured and and turned into something that she's heard about happening. She's never actually experienced it. And I mean, Cara Dune. Well, also, she's one of the worst of the worst fr- from their point of view. Yes, they are going to hurt me bad. Right, and and you have a great villain in Moff Gideon giving that great speech, yeah. which is I I love just the honesty. I love villains who are honest. And it's very clear. It's like, I'm not going to do the whole, I'm going to try and trick you. I'm going to try and play nice. Like He's like, you cannot trust me. The only thing you can trust is that I will work in my own self-interest, yeah. which un- at this moment in time works to your advantage. Yep. Like, it was very clear. So all the, all the setup is clear. And then all the IG-11 thing does, as amazing of an action sequence as that is, is it's get the gang together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, get the gang together, get them in there. Mm-hmm. And then Mando in the ensuing battle where they're all trying to like get rid of the imp, the the imps. I like that I just use imps now as like a thing. Like they got, I was like getting rid of all the Imperials and all the stormtroopers. Uh, you know, um, Mandalorian Mando gets injured. Yeah, he gets shot in the head. Uh, yeah, literally gets blown up and like injures yeah. his head. And then you have that great moment where uh, he's there and he's like, "Leave me." And I'm going to tell you as much as I know deep down that that's not what's going to happen. I was like. Are they going to kill Mando? Like, yeah. is he going to? I legitimately are, thought that too. Is Cara Dune going to have to? Is, is it Cara Dune and IG Eleven in season two? Like, like I was like, no, there's no way. And then, but then, in the most brilliant way, you know, the entire idea and like with everything that we know about his past uh, of getting attacked by droids, uh, everything that happened, his distrust of droids. It, mm. It's like I've said this earlier about Mandalorian, and it was very true in this episode too. Which is, there's things sometimes that don't surprise you. You sort of see it coming, but it 
happens so perfectly that you're like, I 100% give it to you. And the, you know, he's like, no living person can see me. I can't take my helmet off in front of any living person. And when IG-11 was like, I'm not a living person, and he takes his helmet off, I was like, this is a great moment. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is just good storytelling. This yeah. is awesome. Yeah. Uh, so we got the helmet off, which, you know, we had discussed, Shannon. You were yep. like, now I don't think they're going to get it. But, like, they kind of had their cake and they ate it, too. Like, we, the audience, got to see him with his helmet off because um, IG-11 right. got to see it. But we're still saving that moment where he's going to take it off for another living creature yeah. right. for later down the line. And also, IG-11, IG just a little bit later, kills himself. So there is no memory of his face yeah. that yeah. can be revealed in any way, shape, or form after IG-11 dies. And we get Mando's name. We do get, yes. Well, I believe it was Jin Darren. Yeah, yeah Jin Darren. Darren. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Which had been revealed before, but it was the first time it was actually said. Oh, yes. It? Yeah, Oscar Isaac had revealed. Or, um, uh, Pedro uh, Pascal uh, accidentally said it yeah. in an interview. Pascal really? said it oh, in an interview. Uh, but, we got it, but we got it in show. Yeah. Okay. Um, and we also got... Which uh, connects Gideon back to the Mandalore Wars. We also got a good bit of information um, about um, the past, uh, Mandalore's past, yeah. from the lady Mandalorian. What is her name? The, the Armorer. The, the Armorer, armor, thank yeah. you. Uh, first of all, Armorer got a great little fight with Oof, the stormtroopers. Didn't she, though? I know. That's the first time we've seen the jaw of a stormtrooper helmet get knocked off. Yeah, right? But, uh, you know, we got a little bit of information um, kind of alluding to uh, the Mandalorian Jedi Wars. Yeah. Which is a big thing in the lore of Mandalore. I mean, and, and the idea that uh, the Mandalorian's armor is basically, I don't know if they said this specifically in here, but this idea that the Mandalorians had fought these quote-unquote sorcerers. But most of Mandalorian technology and weaponry was developed to fight Jedi. Yeah. Um, and so I think like kind of getting into all of that was really interesting. Um, Did you buy the stack of um, Mandalorian armor there that they had been beaten by the Imperials? I didn't buy it. Because, I mean, they kicked the shit, she kicked the shit out of five dudes, so... You're going to tell me the Imperials are going to show up, these these people who you just saw that can't shoot for shit, and they're going to beat these warriors? Well, so I think they just Imperials left the pile. Imperials have numbers. I guess, but I just, side. I guess, but look, I mean, look at all the numbers in this episode. They still got away. Four of them got away with not any of them dying except for AG-11. But like, I, I think that might be a bit of a misdirection. That red hair. Yeah, red hair. Yeah. Like that, though, they left the armor as a way to say those those people were killed. Uh, for for the Mandalorian, for whatever reason. Well, and Armor even said some people got away. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder if they all got away. I don't uh, know. I mean, then... like what the Armorer was doing though was melting all that armor. Yeah. I mean, I like if they, if this was like a ruse to go. Well, you know, we'll come back later and we'll armor up. We're just going to look like we're hiding. I mean, yeah. You melt the Beskar in your Mandalorian armor to make new armor. I mean, that's part of the. Why wouldn't just take they take the armor? The Imperials they know how precious it is. The medals. I mean, I, you know what? I'm just yeah, throwing ask, it out there. Ask, just a conversation. Ask, ask John Favreau. Ask Taika. I'm ask Taika. Um, Mind your business, man. <laughs> but, uh, peace, peace off, ghost. Peace off, ghost. Peace off, ghost. <laughs> um, also, how about that art that that uh, astromech unit that all of a sudden had arms and legs? What oh, I know, right? <laughs> you know when they're when they're escaping in the lava, uh, in the lava river, which was pretty cool. But yeah, like you had that little astromech unit kind of like in the rubble. And then when he came to life and stood up, you're like, well, I have never seen that before. <laughs> and that is some shit. I mean, yeah. And we got the IG-11 kind of Terminator 2 sacrifice. Yeah. You had that, the, that shade of Arnie as he's walking out. And you get to see that awesome 
explosion that well, takes out all those stormtroopers. And again, and there's something about just Taika's delivery that makes it so funny, but it was a really lovely moment, which is the when he said, Don't be sad, I don't have emotions. And then uh and, and then Mando was like, I'm not sad, and he goes you are sad. I'm a nursemaid. I've analyzed your voice. <laughs> and you're like, it was, again, it's just these little moments that are uh, really adorable and delightful. Yeah. Um, and it was a noble sacrifice. It was great. It allowed them to get away. I- ironically, a droid bringing humanity to that moment in yeah. between them, you know, which I think is great. Well, I mean, character-specific humor is always, and, and I would say in general, most audiences don't don't know when it happens. They yeah. just know, boy, that was a great moment. Um, when they're hiding out in the cantina and IG sets Baby Yoda down and he tells uh, Grief Karga, he's like, if you go near the child, I have to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just very matter of fact. Yeah. And that's the type, those are the type of moments that some other big movies are maybe lacking. No, you're right. There's a difference between a funny line and a... And character-based humor. And character-based humor is a bit more sophisticated. You're right. You don't always know it when you hear it, but it's really good. It's that moment where it makes you love a character all the more because you're like, oh, only they would do it. It's yep. what it's what in the original trilogy, it's why C-3PO is so great. It's right. like there's a character-based humor to him that only C-3PO could tell that joke. And yeah. I think you're 100% right with IG-11 on that front. We should talk about the Baby Yoda moment uh, with the fire. Uh, using his powers, we there. should talk about the grief cargo moment where he does. Because, like, by the way, I was waiting for this moment. Like, sure, tell him to use his magic <laughs> hands. Magic, use your magic hands. He gives him a wave. It's but yeah, the fire force yeah. moment was pretty epic and amazing. I mean, we hadn't hit, see him use his full powers in a few episodes, so to see him use it at crit- at a critical moment like that was great, right? And, and I, then have it actually kill somebody was also. I do love that it, they haven't um, they haven't overused it. Yeah, I was waiting for the electricity to come out of his hands and yeah, me to throw, uh, throw something at the wall. Yeah, they haven't they haven't overused it. They use it sparingly. Yes, and which they I think use is brilliant. It really, really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a way that like when when it happens, even though we know what he's capable of, it's still fun and surprising. Yeah. Um and yeah, I thought yes. that fire moment was super earned mm-hmm. and really exciting and fun. Um and you know, like and like the armorer said, we you know, you got the sense of what season two is. Yeah. Like you know, the Mandalorian got his mark. He's a clan of two, which is awesome. Got his jetpack. Uh, got his jetpack. And his job now is return Baby Yoda to his people. To the Jedi. Which, well, to his people. Could be the Jedi. Well, there's only one Jedi mostly in this point in history. And Who that's would that Skywalker. be? Skywalker. Yeah. Oh, isn't there? No, I guess you're right. Yeah. All um. Right. So I think it's Yoda's species. But again, this is a great idea. Like, if this is what they're doing, it's a great idea for, like, the big world. Like, I can see this pitch. You're like, well, season one, we're going to discover this baby Yoda. And the Imperials want it. Okay, well, what's season two? We're like, well, we're going to find Yoda's planet. I mean, like, this Mm. is a piece of Star Wars lore that is a giant gap that nobody knows the answers to. So to have a series like this that's going to be like, well, the journey is, nobody knows. Now Mandalorian's job is to help baby Yoda get back in this. And then... Baby Yoda with his little Mandalorian necklace on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're yeah. like, you're like, you're like. Oh wait, here's a phrase I never thought I would say in the history of Star Wars. Are you a badass Baby Yoda Jedi Mandalorian bounty hunter now? <laughs> so that's a mouthful. One foundling to another. Um, then we got an amazing sequence that I have seen similar sequences in animation on Star Wars Rebels, but I've never yeah. seen in live action, which is a Mandalorian take down a Tie Fighter. <laughs> that was badass uh, out of nowhere and just. Looked great, feature level action to me. I felt yeah. Uh, yeah. thought oh, it was yeah. 
thought it thought it looked really good. It was fun, and like I said, like it's something that as a fan of the animated stuff that Filoni and, and his team have done. Like I've seen Mandalorians do things like this, yeah. but to see it rendered in sort of live action, to see it in a series like this, it was awesome. Yeah, and not to, and this is not to bash anything else, but uh, there, you know, there's a movie out where one person takes out a Tie Fighter, which is in the trailers. Um, this was so much more satisfying. It really was because you understood the stakes of it and the inventiveness of it. And he he failed a couple of times trying to do what he was trying to do yeah. before he got it right. Uh, and I don't know. I just thought it was brilliant the way it was done. It was realistic. You know, he's. Of course, he's not going to get it right the first time. It's the first time he's had a jetpack on his back. So he's trying to figure out how this whole thing works and make it work within himself. He troubleshoots the situation, still gets the job done, and finds his way back to the, to Earth, but or to the planet, rather. But I thought that was great. Um, and Gideon is, the whole time, trying to get rid of him. Yes. Even though he couldn't see him above the cockpit. Like, right. he could say, like, oh, he's still there. And you'd see that... That slight turn of the uh, of the wheel, yeah, it, trying to shake him off. It's just masterfully done. Mm-hmm. It's it's great. Yeah. Uh, and then and then then, <laughs> boy, I was already like, I was already like, this was great. Mandalorian's amazing. These last two episodes are as good as any Star Wars movie. I'm a thousand percent in. And we got you know the moment. Uh, Cara Dune is staying behind with Grief Karga. Yeah. Mando goes off with Baby Yoda, and even though I knew. Moff Gideon was gonna uh, survive because he didn't blow up. Because he didn't blow up, but he got out of that Tie Fighter with the Dark Saber. (laughs) Yeah, man, the Dark Saber. Which, for those of our audience, don't know what the Dark Saber is. All right, guys, break it down. Back up. All right, nerd, geek it up. Uh, So, thousands of years ago, the Dark Saber was the lightsaber. Of Tar Vizsla, who is the first and possibly only Mandalorian Jedi. Yeah. Uh, which is interesting because, as I kind of referenced before, Mandalorians and Jedi don't get along. There was a giant Mandalorian-Jedi war, and I do believe that the reason that the surface of Mandalore is basically a sandy husk is because of the Jedi. Yeah. So there's not a lot of love there, but Tar Vizsla was a Jedi, and his saber was the dark saber, and it is a unique lightsaber because it does not have the rounded blade that we are familiar with, but has more of a katana-esque sharp blade and looks very, very different. Now... Mm. Samurai-like. Mandalorians, the Vizsla clan, uh, Tar Vizsla's an- uh, ancestors, yeah. stole the Darksaber from the Jedi Temple, which it was sitting there as a museum relic, and took it back to Mandalore, and it became a symbol of Mandalore. Uh, and in the animated series Clone Wars, uh, Tar Vizsla's descendant Pre Vizsla... Uh, who was the leader of a group called Death Watch who wanted to bring the warrior ways back to Mandalore now that uh, Duchess Satine was trying to make Mandalore a pacifist planet. He wielded the Darksaber, um, which was then stolen by Darth Maul, yep. who wielded the Darksaber, who killed Duchess Satine, the leader of Mandalore, and had the Darksaber for several years, where it was found in the Rebels animated series by Mandalorian Sabine Wren, yes. who took the Darksaber back to Mandalore and gave it to Bo-Katan Kryze, who became the new leader of Mandalore. Voiced by Katie Sackhoff. Bo- voiced by Katie Sackhoff. So, uh, so if he has this thing. So that's very, very nerdy. But point being, the Darksaber is a huge part of 
Clone Wars the Animated Series and Rebels the Animated Series. Uh, it has a big history. It is a part of the Star Wars canon. And so the fact that a person in a live action series is wielding it is pretty awesome and also means that they are absolutely uh, taking the Clone Wars and Rebels animated series as part of the world. Yeah. Um, now, when we last saw the Darksaber in Star Wars Rebels, uh, it was being used to unite the Mandalorian people. And there was a whole idea that they were going to sort of bring Mandalore back to greatness. But when we see the Mandalorians at the beginning of this series, they clearly are not great. They are in hiding. Um, And also there's this whole thing about keeping their helmets on. So the only thing that we know that happens from the last time we saw the Darksaber till now is that there was the Mandalorian Purge where the Imperials did some shit, which may or may not be where we see Mando as a kid. I'm not quite sure, 100% sure. It doesn't feel like that's Mandalore itself. That feels like that's another planet. Yeah, so I'm yeah. not, I'm not, I don't think that's it, but there was, they do reference a Mandalorian purge. Yes. And so I think we're going to get more information on what that is that's going to lead to where the Mandalorians are today. Yeah. But point being, we have a main character in this show called Mandalorian who might not actually be Mandalorian, but is following their path. And if that dude gets the Darksaber, he could unite the Mandalorian people once again well and they revealed that mandalore is not a race yeah it's a it's a sector creed right which is so slightly different i mean it is a planet and there are mandalorian people so again i Mm. think that there is information the fact that uh dave filoni is involved in this show the fact that Everything about like the best car armor being melted and remade, and now that the dark saber is there, like it's it, they're clearly not ignoring yes. the Mandalorian information that is there in the animated series. So I think we're going to get in season two a lot more information about this stuff. Yeah. But uh, for my geeky rant aside, uh, if you are not a Star Wars person, what you need to know about the dark saber is it just means that all of the stuff in the animated series is part of the backstory of this show is in play and that too. this is a really cool lightsaber that means a lot to the Mandalorian people. Yep. Well, and and you we were t- you mentioned the oh the only Jedi is Luke. No. Ahsoka Tano's out there. At this time, they went out on that mission her and Sabine, who Sabine who's a Mandalore. So, and, so there's I think that excites me. You talk about how Rebels can be is now part of this series. It's in play next season, a reference or the possibility of a, a live-action Ahsoka Tano, a live-action Sabine in this series, in this I, show. So here's what I – first of all, nobody wants to see a live-action Ahsoka Tano more than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they bring her into Mandalorian for some reason, I will be beyond happy. Mm-hmm. I don't think they will okay. for a couple of reasons. One, I think they're going to save Ahsoka Tano for something. I think that – we in our lifetimes, uh, in the next decade, will see a live action Ahsoka Tano. God, I hope so. I think that is in the cards for us. Um, but at the point in time that we are in Star Wars history right now, um, Ahsoka Tano and Sabine Wren are off in parts unknown searching for Ezra Bridger, another who Jedi. is another force sensitive Jedi in training. Um, <laughs> so it was Luke, you know, who disappeared, who disappeared after uh, the end of rebels. So I think they're off doing their whole own thing that could even be its whole own entire series. Um, so True. although I would love to see them and yes, Sabine Wren is absolutely tied to the dark saber and Ahsoka Tano is absolutely tied to the Jedi. I don't know that they're going to bring them in. I think they're going to kind of just keep the references of, 
as light as possible. Uh, but I could be wrong, and if I was wrong, I'd be absolutely happy to be wrong. That well, would make me super thrilled. Well, well we spoke about having uh, watching a TV show to connect it to a larger film universe, right? Marvel's doing that, obviously, and we spoke about that in our recap of the year, um, which may or may not have dropped by the time we dropped this. But like that could be another possibility. Is their way of introducing characters to spring them well, into a feature film? Maybe not a big, but like one episode with that Ahsoka Tano. And then I will tell you, film you know, me. we've talked a lot about what uh, what Lucasfilm and Kathleen Kennedy have done wrong. And okay. I think that it is yeah. common knowledge. I think everybody agrees that no matter your feelings about Force Awakens, Last Jedi or Rise of Skywalker, I think all Star Wars fans agree that next time let's really have a game plan. Let's have a plan. Let's let's not sort of go movie to movie. And that's been a big weakness. But what I will say to Lucasfilm's credit is that what they do and what they are doing right now that is very different, that I can't think of any, what Marvel doesn't do it, nobody does it, is to allow your animated stories yeah. to not only be canon, but to be story generators. Right. The moment that Rogue One introduced Saw Gerrera as portrayed by Forrest <laughs> yeah. Whitaker... Regardless of Forrest Whitaker's <laughs> performance, uh, Saw Gerrera was a character that was introduced in Clone Wars and then showed up in Rebels after Rogue One premiered. And so they he tied those things together. And from Rogue One on, they have dropped little Easter eggs. You've seen the ghost from Rebels, the, yeah. the Rebel ship. You've seen other things. And the Darksaber is just one more of those things. It's probably the biggest one thus far that really sort of solidifies that the animated and live action stories uh, are seamless and integrated. You found the duck, Saber. <laughs> <laughs> but so I think the more that they do that, the more it's a win for Star Wars. Yeah. I, I think that uh, for anyone who listened to our uh, episode last week, our spoiler-filled review of Rise of Skywalker, I was definitely not the hugest fan of that. And uh, for the end of the Skywalker saga, that was disappointing to me. But I will say that the finale of The Mandalorian, uh, combined with the introduction of the Darksaber has got me so excited for where Star Wars is going in the next few years that I think it single-handedly has sort of renewed my faith in this uh, in this whole universe. And I will say this to wrap what you just set up a little bit. I think this is why a lot of people were questioning why the end of The Mandalorian was falling a week after uh, The Rise of Skywalker. And I think internally they knew they had a mixed bag in their hands with Rise of Skywalker. Let's go out on a high note. Let's go out on a high note. And if nothing else... We know the Mandalorian. If it's gonna, we know the Mandalorian is good. We know it's gonna end great. So if nothing else, if Rise of Skywalker turns out to be great, then we'll just we'll have two massive high notes to end the year. But in case it doesn't, let's go with the sure thing, and that's the Mandalorian. So that to me makes so much. sense. I have talked to some people uh, who Ooh. are in the know. Ooh, um, sources say, and uh, and sources say that. Uh, Disney and Lucasfilm knew what they had on their hands with Rise of Skywalker. There it is. I I I, I think that they. Um, I don't think the response they got to Rise of Skywalker was any surprise to anybody. Okay. I think that they knew what was going to be coming, um, and I think that you are very likely right about where they placed Mandalorian yeah. because I think that probably even internally. Uh, the response to those final screenings of Skywalker versus the response to the last two episodes of Mandalorian, they knew where their future for Star Wars was uh, was lying. Yeah. Any last things to say, Shane? No, no. I, I was incredibly happy with the whole series. I'll go back and watch it again. Uh, I, I imagine twice. Mm -hmm. I might skip over episodes five and six, but, but overall... Oh. 
fantastic. You wanted to touch on that, right? Oh, I, well, I did. It, we, I, I said this in um in our in our weekly episode, but uh, I I think that as much as episodes four, five, and six were frustrating for a lot of fans because yeah. it didn't feel like they were moving the story forward. Clearly, looking at their eight episode run. Uh, they knew the story they wanted to tell, and they knew the time they had to do it. And episode four, uh, which I think is the most liked out of four, five, and six, mm-hmm. uh, introduces Cara Dune, who absolutely was important to the finale. Yeah. Episode five had that moment at the end when Ming-Na's character was killed where we saw a booted figure show up. Yeah. Is it Boba Fett? Is it somebody else? Like, we don't know. But that was such a big tease, and that was the one thing that wasn't resolved yeah. in this season. So that episode clearly has something that is going to lead into something in season two. Okay. And the Prison Break episode, uh, as much as it kind of felt like its own thing, um, I kind of feel like also might be – maybe that was just a fun throwaway, let's do a Prison Break episode. Yeah. But perhaps there's going to be something about the fact that he was on this Republic prison transport or something that might also be a story generator, generator for season two. Well, certainly those three will want revenge. Those three or four will want revenge uh, in that way for being left on that uh, Yeah, exactly. That so, I mean, I'd be, I'd be perfectly happy if uh, – we got to season two and all of a sudden those three get out of that prison and break out and they want to get to Mando. I mean, I think that what I will say is there was getting to a point where I was like, "Mm, do they not really know the story they're telling and they just want to do these one-offs and if they do, that's fine. But with seven and eight, the storytelling threads and the way they wrapped everything up was so strong that I'm more confident that whatever they did in those episodes was exactly what they wanted. And we'll see what that, uh, what that gets us in season two. Uh, The less, the less we see those people, the better. Mm. (laughs) In my opinion, but Mikey might be right. I just don't ever want to see those guys ever getting out of that prison transport. (laughs) Remember me, Manzo? (laughs) (laughs) A lot lot of hissing. All right. A lot of hissing. Any last things to say? That's it? Nope. Next fall. All right. We're looking forward to season two. Yeah, Mandalorian. This is the way. Fair point. This is the way. Next season, it's, oh, it's coming out later this year, or, or as you're listening to it, so I guess, uh, 2020, sorry. Uh, that'll be fun to see, and we'll see. And we got teased by uh, Favreau for a Gamorrean. We got a Gamorrean. Gamorrean yeah, Gamorrean something Looks there. Like been hitting the gym. Gamorrean Games. Yeah, Gamorrean Games. Well, and really quickly, it just gets that, the image of that Gamorrean gets exactly what I was saying about the Stormtroopers at the beginning of this episode, where they are taking all the things that we know of Star Wars, and as opposed to just regurgitating it, to give us some sense of nostalgia, yeah. they are doing it and saying, well, what is a Gamorrean who doesn't work in Jabba's palace? Like, what would this be? And it seems like we're going to continue to get the, the stuff we love in new and different and exciting ways. Yeah. What else What else could we hope for in this series? So, all right. Well, let us know what you thought, of course, in the, in the comments uh, or tweeted us or whatever. Uh, how can they do that, Shin? Yeah. If you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you'd like to follow Mr. Vogel, it's at MKToon. If you'd like to follow Mr. Roca, it's at the Roca Says. There you go. Um, and hey, if, you, if you're just filled with emotion about how much you love Geek Buddies, don't self-destruct like IG-11. <laughs> go online and uh, spread that love. Give us some comments. Give us some ratings. Give us some stars. Go to Twitter. Go to Instagram. Retweet us. Send us around. Tell everybody how much you liked us. Tell them they should check us out. The more that you retweet and give us comments and do everything, the higher up we go in the ratings, the more listeners we get, and the more geek love we get to share in the new year. Boom. Couldn't have said it better myself. That's awesome stuff. Thank you all so much for listening to all our reviews of The Mandalorian. We'll certainly be back next year with more reviews once those shows start dropping again. Uh, and thanks again. And that's it from 
The Geek Buddies! We have spoken. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.